Welcome to Big Boy Movies, a podcast about movies and the big boys who watch them. I'm one of your big boys, Matt Beebe. I'm another one of your big boys, John George. And John, I'm really excited to talk about uh, some movies this week. Uh, I got a lot of things to say. What? <gasps> what the? Heart, heart attack. Are you... Someone, someone called me. BB's legit having a heart attack live on the podcast. What do I do? What do I? I... What? What do I do? Like, do I keep the podcast up? Do I keep it recording? Like, I think that's the first. I mean, what did he? What did his last? What did he say? What were his last words? Bofa? What what could that mean? Nobody's nuts. What? I, I'm back. The power of comedy brought me back. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and Mark, in the chat, immediately, I hate these bits. Yep. Every single time we do these bits on the Mark, podcast. Mark, that wasn't a bit. That was my uh, 2020 <laughs> rewrite of Citizen Kane. Yep. Um, that's what it would be like in 2020. We'd either say yeah, Ligma or Bofa. And I want... Uh, Ninja would, be, Ninja would be the detective on the case, trying to figure okay. out what Ninja what would be the the reporter, and then who would be who would be Citizen Kane? Who would be Charles Foster Kane? I don't know. It's just someone from Twitch because because the famous story is someone from Twitch. Like Tyler chat. One. Yeah, it's Tyler One. Tyler One Citizen. Yeah, Kane. Tyler One dies. So Citizen Kane 2020 full reboot. He dies. He says Bofa, and then a reporter spends a full two hours trying to figure out what that means until he gets to the final last person where they say Bofa D's nuts and then the movie ends. <laughs> That's the sled <laughs> of this movie. Very yeah. exciting. It, the the movie ends but then also you the last shot is someone throwing a sled into a furnace and on the sled it says Bofa. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um people on Twitch chat very scared because I accidentally started playing music and uh, I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> you start playing. I didn't hear it. Yeah, no, you can't hear it because it's on my computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, everyone's saying DMC8. And oh, yeah, for my job, I've had to go through so many freaking videos at this point to make sure we still have the rights to the music. <laughs> it, DMCA is is hell to me now. But yeah, BB, we got we got a classic. We're officially becoming a movie podcast today because we're re reviewing Citizen Kane, we're the only it. actual movie in the world so yeah what's funny is i went to i arguably went to film school um <laughs> i was not a cinema student but i took a lot of tv and and film classes uh and i never had to watch citizen kane uh no one even really talked about it so i guess i didn't go to the right one yeah i guess so um but yeah so this was my first viewing i'll, I'll explain my history of citizen kane when we get to it but we got a lot oh okay it's been it's been how long two or three weeks at this point since we did the witch and now we got yeah we had our thanksgiving episode and lamented how there were no movies and then there continued to be no movies until now a week right ago this, right and, this moment <laughs> and we got a gift from david fincher in the form of mank and so we we had to do an episode and now we're, I think we're pretty jam-packed through the end of the year. Big Boy Movies is going to go out strong. Mm -hmm. Just the way Christopher Nolan wants us to with Tenet. Yeah. Um, and Mark, I know yes. Mark's going to be very excited for Tenet. Um, yeah, Mark, we're, oh, Mark's not excited for Tenet. But yeah, <laughs> to spoilers, we will be reviewing Tenet next week because it's finally out on DVD. Uh, we don't have to risk our lives to see uh, the nonsense time movie. Mm, yep, I'm very excited to um, to see Nolan's latest on my on my uh, smartphone. So yeah, uh, yeah. But besides that, I've seen a, a hell of a lot of movies, baby. So we got a lot to catch up on right now. In fact, so many that I am saving some for one of next week's episodes because I I got to spread the love here. Yeah, I I have a few movies to talk about as well. So we're we're it's it's like old times when we watched movies and talked about them. Oh yeah, crazy. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll start with another Netflix film because um, of course Mank is a Netflix film. Another one is uh, the Trial of the Chicago Seven. This one came out like September or something. It's been a while, um, mm -hmm. but it's the new Aaron Sorkin film. And it's actually the first Aaron Sorkin movie I've seen directed by Aaron Sorkin. I love his writing. Obviously, we've talked about Moneyball Social Network on this podcast before, and we both like those movies a good amount. But uh, this is the first one I saw directed by him. And yeah, I like the writing, but yeah, the directing's not that good. Um, yeah. It's kind of long, kind of boring at some points. 
Um, yeah, I, I, that's all I have to say about it. This was such a long time. This was the first movie I saw like almost right after The Witch. So this was such a long time ago that I barely even remember at this point. But yeah, maybe check it out. I think you might like it. It's fun. <laughs> it's a nice yeah. little Netflix movie, I guess. Yeah, it did seem like one of those. I mean, all Netflix movies just sort of seem like mid-budget kind yeah. of very boring movies so it was one of those where i'm like that sounds interesting but it's netflix so i'm not super confident in it uh, and it sounds like that's exactly what it was yep there's some decent acting in it i think eddie redmayne and sasha barrett cohen are pretty good in it but besides that joseph gordon levitt maybe i mean the person he was playing was supposed to be boring so maybe that's why i don't yeah. like him but he was just the maybe the most plain character he's ever been in a movie um, he'll just never live up to his role in Knives Out. Yeah, his iconic up. casting. <laughs> straight up, his just his voice yeah. on the TV, right? Yes, it's, it's not even a TV; it's like a laptop. <laughs> his voice is coming out of. Amazing. Uh, want to go back yeah. and forth on this, baby? You want to go next? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess we can do this. Let me see. I have three to talk about technically. So, uh, first one I actually saw a while ago. And what happened was we recorded an episode of Big Boy Movies. And then the next day I watched a movie and completely forgot about it. Um, so I'll mention it briefly. I watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on the day Sean Connery died, which was Halloween, I believe. Mm. Um, so it was a long time ago, but I forgot to mention on the podcast and I figured I'd bring it up real real quick um still good it is my second favorite indiana jones after the first one uh i forgot how good sean connery is in that movie he gives a really wonderful performance and brings a lot of great comedy to it um and there's that scene where indiana jones gets hitler's autograph which is always funny to me <laughs> um that's steven only steven spielberg could make that scene work and it's so funny <laughs> uh but yeah that was that was just a quick one i watched uh he died and i was like oh i remember last crusade that's a good one so i went back and i watched it and it was a good time nice still gotta watch more indiana jones movies so you've only seen the first one right only seen the first one yeah i was actually thinking more about indiana jones recently because they're still insisting that harrison ford's corpse can sort of play indiana jones <laughs> um and I like I think about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and how wrong and terrible that movie was and how it doesn't even exist in my mind and how they decided Shia LaBeouf was going to be the new Indiana Jones. Um, and I don't I think Temple of Doom is the worst one. I'm not a huge fan of that one, but there's a kid in that movie and his character's name is Short Round. He's this little Chinese kid uh, and he is so good. He's the best part of that movie. And I keep thinking about like, why didn't they just get like an Asian adult and bring Short Round back? For Crystal Skull, so wow. instead of Shia LaBeouf being this super boring, like, greaser, leather jacket dude, the next, like, because they set that up in Temple of Doom. There's parts where, like, Indy's doing his thing, and Short Round is, like, copying Indy, and you're like, oh, he's he's going to grow up to be like him. But no, they're like, eh, Short Round, forget him. Shia LaBeouf, he was in Transformers. You like that, right? <laughs> Did you see the awful Shia LaBeouf news that came out in, like, the past 24 hours? Not good stuff. Oh, that he's, like, a horrible abuser? Yeah. Or allegedly, <laughs> uh, because he's being sued? Yep. It doesn't shock me if you've me seen neither. like interviews with him. He seems like a very unstable person. Yeah, no. It also doesn't shock me if you've seen um whatever it's called, Honey Boy. Is it called Honey Boy? Honey yes. guy. Yeah, he's he, yeah. <laughs> honey, honey man. <laughs> honey man. He had a he had a pretty terrible childhood, to be honest. So Yeah. Yeah. That was actually the closing line of Honey Boy is he looks at the camera and he goes, it looks like this Honey Boy is now a honey man. And then Shia LaBeouf walks out. He goes, exactly. Hi, everyone. Thanks for watching my movie. That was me. And, now, and I'm me now. Now I'm back to me. This, I grew up and now I'm It's me, me now. I'm, I'm the honey. I hired an actor to play myself, which I know is confusing. Yeah. Stick with me. May, well, this news made me sad because, uh, of course, he, he was kind of going on a redemption arc type thing with Honey Boy and Peanut Butter Falcon. And it yeah. seems like uh, the redemption has fallen a bit flat here. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There. Oh, this this is important. Um, very good movie alert. Very good movie alert. Very good movie alert. Oh my god! I saw holy shit this movie called Shit House. You know it's cool because there's a swear word in the title, so that's always cool. Can't put it on a movie poster. <laughs> yeah, they had to bleep. They had to bleep it out on the movie poster. It's very edgy. Yeah, 
every movie poster is like fully pixelated when it i mean you can't go to a theater but if there was it yeah. would be just like a mosaic pixel sort <laughs> of like blur what, what the, the hell wall. is this movie called um, <laughs> i what is i can't get a ticket for it because i don't know what to ask for <laughs> yeah that'd be crit like would little kids be scared to ask like the the person at the ticket counter like <laughs> absolutely can i well, see first of all S this movie House? would definitely this movie would definitely not play in theaters um but even if it did like i could imagine like maybe some middle schoolers or some like high school freshmen going into the theater and be like one for uh and they like look around s word house shit shit house (laughs) and then the the guy behind the counter is like got him you're under arrest i'm a cop cop. you're not allowed to cuss little boy oh no and then they go to jail uh but no this this movie is really good it's literally made by like someone who just graduated college the story behind it is like he made a a shorter version of this movie that was like i think 50 minutes tweeted it at um who did he tweet it at what's his name god i can't remember what his name is uh jay duplass for nolan jay duplass oh and said bet you won't watch this and give me feedback and jay duplass was like bet and then he watched it and he liked it a lot and um said i'll give you a little bit of money not that much money and you can make a full length version and it's basically just about how shitty shitty college is when you're a freshman and you move away from home and it was super relatable and i liked it a lot and yeah it's got some mid it's got some very low budget shit happening in it and not some of the actors aren't the best because they couldn't hire anyone big um, yeah, but I think the writing is really damn good and the story is really good and can't believe no one has made a movie about this because it was super relatable. I mean, I'm sure someone has made a yeah, movie this guy about is. it. It's just, yeah. it's the hook here is that it's made by like, what, like a 22 year old kid who just got out of college. So everyone's like, Oh, it's, it's made by a young man and it's good. Yeah. Gadzooks. <laughs> I, must, I must go to the theater. Young people and, and aren't purchase good. Purchase a ticket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I again, I went to our sort of film school, and there are a lot of kids who like really would die for that opportunity. And a lot of them, I would be like, please don't let that happen because they're like pretentious dicks. Yeah. Um, and most of them don't get that. But there's, I remember there's one kid I went to college with who is a little younger than me, and his dad was like a professional cinematographer who's worked on like, I think TV mostly. Um, but he just had all of this amazing cinematography equipment. And uh, so anyone, everyone wanted him in their group projects because it would always look incredible. Um, and some people should not have wielded that power that that kid had. Yeah. I think that kid was generally nice, but I remember some directors who were not super Ugh. chill. And I was like, don't don't you tweet at J2+. <laughs> don't you get the money. Well, luckily, I, I've watched some interviews with this guy. I don't think he's one of the dicks. In fact, I think he's a bit too nice. His name's Cooper Rafe. Oh. Cooper Rafe. I'll give him the I'll give him the credit. Usually we don't okay. give people credit on the podcast, but I'll... Yeah. I mean, as we know, getting credit for a thing that you did is pretty controversial in Hollywood. Yeah. According to Mank. <laughs> According to Mank. Spank my Mank, baby. I can't wait to do it later. I can't wait to spank oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta spank your man. <laughs> All right. Uh, your turn, BB. Right. Uh, the next movie on my list is one that y- no one's heard of, or some people might have heard of, but probably no one. Uh, it was called Ben and Arthur. And if anyone out there is a fan of Red Letter Media, you will have probably heard of this. They did a Best of the Worst Spotlight episode on it. Um, I was talking to some friends about it, and I was like, oh, you got to watch this video. And then they were like, well, why don't we just watch the movie? Because the Red Letter Media guys they watch the movie and then they sort of summarize it and make jokes about it and um we were like fuck it let's just actually watch ben and arthur and uh ben and arthur is known as being the worst gay movie ever made (laughs) um and it is it is a movie from 2002 made by uh, i forget the guy's name he sam morovich that's his name he had no idea how to make a movie he had no budget uh, and he had a dream, with, and that dream was to make a movie called Ben and Arthur. And it is horrendously bad. It's funny bad in a few places. I don't think it's as funny as something like The Room, um, but The Room had like actual budget, which I think elevates the humor a little bit because it, it, you can tell they spent money on The Room, whereas this one, it's like the whole thing is filmed in like two apartments. 
Uh, the actors are all terrible because there's only one real actor in the film. Um, the editing is super jarring. The cinematography is terrible. It was all filmed on like a handy cam with no like lav mics or boom mics. Um, but yeah, it's it's very 2002. The funniest thing that happens in the movie is it's about how these two guys want to get married, but they can't because it's 2002 and it's not legal. Yeah. Um, but in Vermont, it is legal. So they're like, let's fly to Vermont. So they show the you know movie thing, plane taken off. Yeah, yeah. And Classic. they fly to Vermont. Uh, except they live in LA, so there's like palm trees everywhere, but they pretend it's Vermont. <laughs> and then they get married. And then when they fly back, they do another shot plane like coming down, landing at LAX. Except I guess they didn't look too closely because it is a FedEx plane that they filmed. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like the implication in the movie is that they put themselves in boxes and like <laughs> ship themselves back to LA because it was cheaper. <laughs> That's a good plan. I'd say that's yeah. canon, to be honest. Yeah, that's it, it. Was it's just like me and my friends, obviously film school again, um, where you have to make everything on low budget or no budget because you're a college student, you don't have any money. Um, it made me feel better about some of the uh, things that I made in school because I'm like, wow, at least what I made had like shot composition and like lights that weren't just like kitchen lights or. <laughs> you know sound or or like the edits made sense and scenes didn't just randomly cut off and or like there's parts where you can see the actor waiting for the director to call action so the scene will start and he'll be standing there stationary and then you hear him go like and then he starts doing his action um and that's like in the movie because they didn't cut off the beginning of the take where the director said action you don't hear it but you can tell that's what they're doing oh my god um but yeah, it's very funny. I think the Red Letter Media video is funnier. I wouldn't necessarily spend all the time to watch the full movie Ben and Arthur, but it was it was a nice little diversion. Also, I just want to say hello to Alex. Happy Hanukkah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's all my Jew boys. Happy Hanukkah. We're recording chat, this on the second night of Hanukkah. So I hope all your guilt gets eaten. That wasn't really a sentence. I hope all <laughs> your dreams come true, and I hope you eat a lot of guilt. Um... All my Hanukkah boys. I've been. I've had the song stuck in my head. There's this Disney song. David Diggs did a puppy for Hanukkah, um, and I listened to it, and now it's been stuck in my head. It's super catchy. It's a kids song. Oh damn! But it is a very catchy. I like David Diggs a lot. If yeah. if anyone does, a he fan. celebrate Hanukkah or did he just do like a fun? I think Hanukkah he's Jewish. For... I think he must be Jewish. Oh, okay. <laughs> It'd be hilarious if they just had him do it. But I'm pretty yeah, sure it'd be Jewish. weird if he wasn't. And he, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like most of the most popular Christmas songs were written by Jews. Oh so... wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I he know I, I... in the song he has a lot of Hanukkah knowledge, so I feel like he should be, unless mm. someone just fed him the lines. <laughs> I like to imagine Debbie Diggs doing a hardcore rap about Hanukkah knowledge. <laughs> it's funny because he, he's a part of Clipping, if no one knew that. And that's like a very experimental rap group. So it's funny, like, hearing that album, like, come out two months ago or whatever. And now he's singing about wanting a puppy for Hanukkah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely check that out. It's a funny. Uh, but my next movie is um, Dick Johnson is Dead, which is another Netflix film. But this one's a documentary. Um, and it's basically Dick Johnson's daughter is, a she's Kirsten Johnson just wants to make a film about her dad before he dies. Um, oh, that's nice, I guess. Yeah. And it's just like a nice little thing that I'm sure everyone wish they would be able to do right before their dad died. Honestly, it was, it was a cute little celebration of his life. Um, I hope that's not something that everyone does because then once you're a dad and your kid like starts bringing out the like video camera, you're like, what's, what's going on? I still got time, right? You're like, sure, time. dad, smile into the camera. <laughs> um, luckily, this guy knew he was on his way out. Uh, oh, okay. But also his... At, at that point, then he was like, ah, get the camera out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have much more time. <laughs> he, it was when his memory was starting to deteriorate, so... Um, he, he knew it was time. He wanted to do it too, but yeah, check it out. I'd, I'd say it's this, this year has been really, really good for documentaries to be honest. So it's another really good yeah. documentary for this year. All right. Well, I watched a movie that we're both going to talk about, uh, called lovers rock, uh, which is arguably not a film. 
<laughs> um, hard to argue it's even a movie. It's 70 minutes long, and it is a house party that you watch in real time, and that's it. <laughs> yep. Uh, we watched it here on Twitch um, using the Twitch watch party feature, and yeah, I'd say, I mean, there's already a lot of argument about whether or not these Steve McQueen, it's it's part of Small Axe on Amazon Prime, which is the set of five new Steve McQueen films. But there's already argument like, is it, a, are they films? Is it a TV series, limited series? What's happening? Um, yeah. And then you just have to watch Lovers Rock to realize this isn't a TV series or a film. This is just <laughs> a lot. This must be a recorded VOD of a Twitch stream or something. <laughs> Twitch stream of my great house party in the 70s. Yeah. Um, home um, movies. Yeah. yeah. I, I I will say, like, it is well-directed. I, I liked a lot of the cinematography and the actors were good. It's just, like, I'm, I'm sort of of the philosophy that if you're going to make a movie, something should happen in it. And uh, no, nothing happens. Like, it's not that nothing happens, but, like, it's it's a house party. It, the house party happens. It would be like if I made a movie about like fixing my car, and at the end of the movie, my car is fixed. <laughs> at least, be like, is at that least a, a better is that a story? Or that's just something he did, and you f you made like an art movie about it. Um, yeah, I I liked it a bit better than BB. I think I, just because of one scene. I really like. I know people might not like a scene that goes on for like longer than 10 minutes, I think, or something. I don't know. I was so lost in this scene, but it's just this one song for a very long time. And the song stop. the DJ stops playing the song at one point, but the entire party continues the song by singing it. And they go for yes. a ridiculously long time too. And you're like, what? They go the for hell? like five, 10 minutes singing this song after it's already ended. <laughs> and we were like theorizing in chat, like maybe Steve McQueen was just like too nice to call cut. Like he saw them all singing and having a good time. He's like, I, I guess I'll just, they can keep going. They seem so into it. Yeah. Um, I bet that's how it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah someone in chat great monorail um for for the podcast listeners out there was in chat and he's in chat now uh when we were streaming that movie and he came in like in the middle of that scene so he thought that was the whole movie right there was just this one scene because it was just going on forever so he's like wow the whole movie must have been this <laughs> yeah um but yeah pretty pretty nuts yeah that was the uh, that's the, that's the last movie i'll talk about i'll save I'll save my other ones for next episode. I guess I'll give a little teaser so people listen to the next episode. Next episode, I'll talk about Sound of Metal, First Cow, Wolf Walkers, and everyone's favorite movie, Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to watch Hillbilly Elegy, but I am excited to talk about it. Um, I'm also going to try and watch Sound of Metal before next week. So Yeah, I would highly recommend the first three. <laughs> the first three I mentioned you should watch. <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy, you don't have to. There's a little sneak preview of what I have to say. There you go. Um, well, we're we're pretty deep in the podcast. We and we got two movies to talk about this week mm. uh, in depth. Um, we have to talk about Citizen Kane, which I think we both watched first. Yeah, and then every Fortnite kid's biggest, <laughs> most exciting film, the one they've all been hyping up. We're talking about that Gen Z masterpiece, Mank. I have a brother in high school. Um, he just won't stop talking about this mank. It, all his friends are talking oh, about yeah. it. They all vaped and watched it together. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I couldn't even imagine ripping some fat cotton while watching Mank. <laughs> He's so faded. Um absolutely. I Mank is I, I guarantee every everyone under the age of twenty loves Mank. Over twenty, it's a little bit harder. Um yeah. It's it's definitely more relatable to it's hard the young to understand. Ones. It's the the uh, mank is just so full of like tiktok references <laughs> and like fortnite dances and i don't know like there's like a minecraft let's play for like 20 minutes in the middle of it i just like i feel like too much. i felt a thousand years old watching that movie i was like i can't understand any of this what are much. these kids doing these days it was, it, there was among us at one point and i was like what the hell is happening yeah. there's so much jammed in Mank kept talking about how he was doing among us tuesdays on his twitch channel 
Yeah. Kept, he kept bringing up Japs, Jack Septicai, and he was like, oh, I'm personal friends with Jack Septicai. But then, like, Jack Septicai never showed up in the film. So was he lying about yeah, that just to, like, get people to like him? I was a big fan of the big argument between Orson Welles and Mank, though, because Orson Welles was like, I know you want to play Among Us, but, like, Fall Guys. Like, Fall Guys might come back. I think Fall Guys is on the rise again. The new season just yeah. came out. That was a great argument right there, because... You know, they had- that was a really intense scene where they <laughs> did sort of Among Us v. Fall Guys. Yeah, um, a great rivalry, you know. So, yeah, one of the, one for the ages. And I love when Mank took out his iPhone and was like, "Hold on, I'm gonna do the WAP dance because that's like a new challenge on TikTok." And he did the WAP dance. Yeah, it was really <laughs> and good. Props to Gary Oldman yeah. for for getting in shape and doing it. It's unfortunately broke his leg in that scene, but you know, kind of worth it. Yeah, well, I, props to Gary Oldman for getting in the part. I can't imagine how much of the internet he had to go through just to learn um, about TikTok star Mank and you know Fortnite yeah. Fortnite star Mank and. Yeah, and I heard originally David Fincher was going to cast Pokimane as Mang, um, <laughs> but then she dropped out because she wasn't available. She had to stream, yeah, obviously, obviously, and she just couldn't be there for the whole shoot. So Gary Oldman was the obvious next choice. Yeah, um, which he kind of put. I found out he kind of put there as a joke because he was like, "There's no way Pokimane flakes. Like Pokimane would love to be in this movie, but sucked. Um, he could have had someone like I, I XQC think in there, you know." Yeah, I, I think we've alienated our audience. <laughs> oh, Pokemank is good. Shit. Thank you, Alex. I should have said Pokemank. Fuck. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's talk about Citizen Kane first, I guess. Phew. Yeah, I suppose so. I think these conversations are going to overlap just because yeah. obviously Mank is about the writing of Citizen really? which everyone knows writing a movie that. is the most exciting part of making it. Um. Um, stop <laughs> Nightbot has just tried to ban Mark because he, he's been spamming symbols, apparently. Yeah, he said Pokemank and then a bunch of emojis and the auto mod was not a fan. <laughs> uh, well, Citizen Kane is a film. I mean, I guess I'll talk about my history of Citizen Kane before I say my opinion. My history of Citizen Kane is like, obviously first heard about this in high school. I had um, like a semi-film class in there. It was... Mm-hmm. Um, it was like not as it was, it was, it barely covered anything, but obviously I heard like, Oh, Sisson Kane, that's the best movie of all time. That's the first time I heard the mention of Sisson Kane. Like that's the best movie of all time. Um, yeah. but as my life went on more and more, almost everyone I personally know who has seen Sisson Kane hated it. Um, my brother, mm-hmm. um, a lot of my friends, they all were like that. This is the most boring movie I've ever seen. I don't like it. It's overhyped and stupid. So going into this film, I was think, even even Letterboxd like it's not the best movie of all time on Letterboxd. It has good ratings, but it's not the best. So going into it, I was like, okay, I'm about to see like maybe a bit of an overhyped film. But um, yeah, yeah. I I, I gotta say my expectations were a bit shattered. To be honest, I really liked Citizen Kane and I did not I don't know if it was the mood I was in that day because I liked both Citizen Kane and Mank which um mm-hmm. liking Mank is, is a more of a hot take um, <laughs> that is yeah I don't I was a tiny bit hung over in my dark ass room on a Saturday for like five hours or four hours straight watching these two movies and I think it's just the mood I was in I was just like super focused like super honed in on movies that day didn't care had nothing else to do and just sat down and watched Citizen Kane, and I was like, damn, that that's a good-ass movie. And I think it's really, really well-written. I enjoyed it. So that's yeah. my, um, of a citizen, my brief review of Citizen Kane. Yeah, I can I can do mine real quick um, while you unban Mark for, yeah. <laughs> because the Automod has waged war against him. Um, uh, yeah, so I saw um, Paddington 2 is higher rated on Rotten Tomatoes. I still haven't seen Paddington 2, that's but I have heard that's movie. like a perfect movie. I'll, um, at the end of the podcast, so I'll answer which is better. Uh, oh, okay. Hype. Uh, so I, I've i heard about Citizen Kane. I took a video class in high school. That was one of my first video classes ever. Um, and the teacher had a Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane poster on the wall. And I always remembered seeing that because I had heard like, oh, it's the best movie ever made. And I'm like... Well, my video teacher's got a poster of it on the wall, but that movie's from, like, the 1940s. It can't be good. And uh, 
as as I went through college, I heard about it a little more. There's a really funny joke on The Office where there's like a really pretentious, like 20 year old kind of character who comes into the office and he's always talking about how like unique and original he is. And then he says his favorite movie is Citizen Kane. Um, <laughs> so I kind of went into this movie it, kind of expecting it to be boring. I'd never seen it before. I really didn't know what it was about other than it's just supposed to be this incredible greatest movie of all time. And while I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time, I liked it way, way more than I thought I would. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was um, super good. I was just astonished immediately um, by a lot of the directing, which I think makes this movie Orson Welles. uh, I actually did watch some Orson Welles in college for for production classes. Um, But this is the first time I'd really watched one of his movies all the way through. And it is so brilliantly shot. Every frame in this movie is just perfect. Um, And obviously it's incredibly sharply written. All the dialogue is so good. It really didn't feel like I was watching an 80 year old movie. Um, It it just, it felt timeless. And I understood why people were so hyped up about about Citizen Kane. I was just like, damn, I, I really didn't think the the 1942 movie about the newspaper man whose twist i already knew because like most people spoil that now because no one cares um i always wondered like after i finished it i was like how would i feel if i didn't know that twist um but yeah i i really really enjoyed it uh john talk while i get a lacroix because my throat is very dry yeah i didn't know um I didn't know the twist actually. So I, well, I knew that I knew about Rosebud. Obviously, people say Rosebud all the time. Um, I guess spoilers for Citizen Kane, just like close your ears for a second. But I didn't know the sleds. I knew Rosebud. I knew the sled. I didn't know they connected though. So, um, because my brother was like, oh, who gives a shit about the sled? That's, that's how I knew about the sled. And I knew, oh. I knew Rosebud from the movie, the um, animated movie Over the Hedge which was one of my favorites when I was a kid. And um, they say, <laughs> he says Rosebud in it before he pretends to die. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I knew that Rosebud was the sled. I did not know that Rosebud was his dying word. That's, uh, uh, so once, once that was established as the plot of the movie, I was like, oh, okay, well now the whole movie is about what is Rosebud. And I, the and whole movie, like, I was oh, like, oh, well, I already know. Yeah, it comes up in an early scene. You're like, oh, there it is. I guess I can stop watching now. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know. So yeah, to tell you, BB, the twist is very good. I, I enjoyed it. Maybe that's why I rated it a bit higher than you on Letterboxd. But um, oh, okay. I like I liked the twist. I, but overall, I just think yeah. it's... I don't know. I understand why. Like, I see I see a ton tons of movies inspired by it. Um, a lot of Scorsese, like, epically written f- movies, I feel like, are similar to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say when I was watching it, I was seeing like all of the movies that had sort of stemmed from this mm-hmm. one. You're like, oh, this movie was probably one of the first to do a lot of this really great stuff that all the great directors do. Like um, Scorsese, obviously, there's a really big Wolf of Wall Street sort of feeling oh, yeah. to a lot of the scenes in this movie. Yep. Um, there's honestly, I think. This could have been like some of these scenes could have been directed by like the Safety brothers. There are a ton of True. scenes where just people are all yelling over yeah. each other and everything's really <laughs> layered. And you're like, oh man, this is like uncut gems or something like that. Um so yeah, it was it's you could feel its influence the whole time, and you're like, I get why people like this because this is a movie that feels like the most movie movie, you know? Um <laughs> the most movie movie. I, I, there's I like said. It's there's a shot early on where during the childhood like flashback sequence where it's layered. The blocking is so perfect, especially for a square frame. You have like the mother right in the foreground with the lawyer, and then the father back in the midground, and then very far in the background, you can see young uh, Charles Foster Kane like playing with his sled, and he's like yelling outside, and the mother and the lawyer are having a conversation, and it's all like everything's just perfectly in shot and you know orson wells was like we have to set it up you have to put the camera here it has to be lit exactly like this everyone has to be exactly in this place yeah you all have to say your lines like this like it's so meticulously put together it's like very stanley kubrick it felt yeah, like, yeah which obviously again this is before him yep um yeah and that scene that scene is one the only one i had seen before this in one of my film classes in college and it was for the example mm-hmm. of the perfect blocking and just like 
it's it's such a good ex- there's just so many moments like that in this movie too um yeah. it's yeah it's so well made it really is and i expected it to be well made i think that's what i expected i expected to be super well directed didn't expect it to be as well written and as like in inter- entertaining as uh, it ended up being i think that's the main thing i was yeah. surprised about was like oh damn i actually really like this story um mm-hmm. the story is just super interesting and i i don't get bored at all i all my friends said it was super boring um yeah i guess i don't blame them i think once again the mood for some reason my mood that day i just got super into this story yeah i felt like it dragged a little bit in the second half i was sort of getting lost i was like all right i kind of get i get what this guy's about (laughs) we uh we don't have to keep going he wants love i get it um but otherwise like yeah it the movie felt very timeless like if you took out all the old timey stuff like the typewriters and the old ass cars and stuff this movie works perfectly i think as a modern film uh because it's about very timeless subjects and touches on things that are still incredibly relevant today crazy i mean it was written by a, a socialist which is insane to think about like um you know it, that that sort of political ideology is such had a huge resurgence today and they're talking about that kind of stuff in citizen kane yeah and guess what when citizen kane loses the election he blames fraud crazy <laughs> that was so good there's also so much good humor in this one there's uh that scene where they he loses the election so they have to do the paper that says fraud at the yeah. polls um, I really laughed out loud when he gets married to his second wife and they're like, is it true? You're going to be singing at the Met. And she goes, yeah, of course. Charlie says, if I don't, he'll build me an opera house. And he's like, oh, that'll never happen. And the immediately newspaper <laughs> Kane builds an opera house. <laughs> yep. Um, um, yeah. But yeah. overall, like I gotta say, if you're dreading watching Citizen Kane because you think it's too overhyped, just watch it. Just put it on. And I would highly recommend watching Even this before. Even if it is make. overhyped, it's still really good. Yeah. Is the thing, and, and I yeah, I, I think it's almost a must see before Mank. I think you will hate Mank if you haven't seen this movie, and there's a good chance you still won't like Mank if you've seen this movie. So yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, good acting and in Citizen Kane as well, and a lot of acting debuts mm-hmm. apparently because at the end of the movie they go through all of them. <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, I wish they still did that in movies. And they were just like clips from the movie that you already watched. So yeah. it was like introducing this person. And it was people who probably shouldn't have gotten like a big screen credit, like the very sweaty man. <laughs> introducing him, he got, like, very his own full sweaty credit. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my first acting role where I sort of like sputter and sweat all over the place. And that's my character. <laughs> I, I'm making it big time, mommy yeah um <laughs> but yeah we'll talk more about citizen kane alongside mank because i think there are a lot of connections obviously between the two um it would be weird if there was yeah it would be it would be a little bit weird so um i guess let's spank our manks now let's spank our manks straight to the mank bank <laughs> let's we're gonna get real swank in the mank bank we'll have we'll have non-spoiler town the here mank first tank. i guess i yeah, I don't know how much there is to spoil in this movie. Um, spoiler, they end up making Citizen Kane in the end. Crazy. Yeah, that is really... No, I didn't see that coming. When <laughs> at the end of the... I wish there had been a big twist where we didn't know what he was writing the whole time. And then at the end, it was Citizen yeah. Kane. And you're like, oh the my God. The final shot is the script. And it's like, Citizen Kane by Herman J. Mankiewicz. Um. But yeah, no, I, that'd be stupid because the rest of the movie would, I would have hated the movie then. I think that the only reason I enjoyed this movie, that I'll straight up say it, the only reason I enjoyed this movie is I had just seen Citizen Kane, literally right before it. And I really enjoyed connecting like all the characters in Mank to Citizen Kane because he clearly based a, a lot of the people in his life um, were based, were, were translated into Citizen Kane pretty like obviously. So yeah um i think that was my favorite part of mank was was being like oh that's him and that's him and no there's that where there's where that came from in citizen kane which at the end of the day i could admit yeah maybe that doesn't make a great that great of a film um when it's just like a words it's like a 
it's one of those what is it find this in the picture type things where where's waldo or something oh yeah yeah, i don't know it's an i spy an i spy book um i i liked the i spy element where um bill nye plays upton sinclair (laughs) in one scene and his face is in shadow and he's not credited in the movie um that was because I was like, oh, that voice set kind of sound sounds kind of familiar. And then you get the mild like mid shot, and you're like, wait, that's the science guy. <laughs> Why is he playing up to what Sinclair? Through, and then he's not in the credits. What went through my head was like, oh, that's Bill Nye, and it was like completely normal to me for some reason. And then I was like, wait, that can't be Bill Nye. That's not normal. He's not in movies. <laughs> he's not like yeah really an actor and then i didn't think about it the rest of the time and then i st- i talked to my dad i was like yeah i saw mank today he was like oh did you see bill nye in there and i was like yeah i guess that was bill nye then <laughs> oh. um yeah so mank for me i for however much citizen kane dragged in the second half M- mank kind of dragged for me the whole time <laughs> i really kept waiting for the movie to kick in gear um, especially if you look at the poster for this movie, it looks like there's going to be something. Yeah, like something's going to go on because it's a picture of Gary Oldman and he's like all happy and running across a table Which... and all the people behind him are like, oh, that mank. But in this movie, it starts and he has a broken leg and he can't get out of bed. He doesn't move. <laughs> and so he literally is dictating the script to Citizen Kane in bed. And so the idea is like, yeah, I guess if you made a movie about someone ra- writing a screenplay, it would be mostly just someone like writing a screenplay, <laughs> like either at a chair or dictating it to someone. And uh, that's not great cinema, I would say. Uh, obviously, there's more in the movie around that. Uh, but I, my letterboxed review is essentially like, you're making a movie about Citizen Kane, which is an amazing movie. So it's weird to make a movie that's just not as interesting or as exciting. Um, and it gives you some insight, but it doesn't give you any more than if you had just like read an article about it or I don't know, they made some sort of, I guess this is a biopic, but yeah. it's just like mundane everyday things happen to Mank. And then you can see how that translates into Citizen Kane into like an exciting, engaging movie. Um, and that's Hollywood, right? Yep. You take your, your boring shitty experiences and turn them into movie magic. Uh, and the, the process, at least for writing the script is not that exciting. Uh, production can be a whole thing. Uh, the movie Ed Wood, I think is a really great similar movie to this that makes movie making entertaining while also actually showing the movie being made. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was my main thing. Is I was I was waiting for something <laughs> to like engage me, and I and then I realized like, oh, this is just gonna be Mank living his life until he's done with the script. <laughs> yeah, that was that's the biggest complaint I see is like, is this shouldn't exist? Like this topic sh- shouldn't have a movie <laughs> about. There shouldn't be a movie about this topic. Yeah, it, this this movie is like based off of some sort of like bar trivia night question, right? Yeah. Like someone going up to you and be like did you know that uh herman j mankowitz wrote citizen kane he had a broken leg and he had to dictate it And you're like oh wow that's interesting and then you move on with your life um but david fincher instead said no two and a half hours of that okay or however long so it is. this movie was written by jack fincher david fincher's dad who has passed away now nepotism passed away oh sad he passed away a while ago at this point but apparently like the oh, okay. script the script for Mank has existed since like the 90s or around then. And like basically David Fincher's dad has always just been like, hey, son, will you do this movie I wrote finally? <laughs> Please make my movie, son. <laughs> um, don't don't film me, son. I'm not dying yet. And in an interview. <laughs> Sorry, dad. I have to make the death movie. In an interview, he literally like David Fincher literally says like, yeah, no, the first like a lot of these uh, drafts were pretty bad. <laughs> that my dad gave me to be honest but um eventually I, I workshopped it and wanted to make it apparently so okay um but yeah that's i guess that's worth noting it wasn't david fincher who wrote this movie it was his dad from the grave okay yeah i mean david fincher's a great director i don't even know if i 
like appreciated his directing as much in this as some of his other stuff. Yeah, there's not as much um, to appreciate. But, I mean, I think the cinematography is good and every shot looks pretty beautiful in black and white. Yeah, but the, but again, like comparing that to Citizen Kane where yeah, every shot in that movie is like a room. gorgeous painting practically, this is just shot like any other movie and you're like, all right, you know, it's David Fincher. He's got some style there, but it's not, it's not Citizen Kane, which is like unfair because it's Citizen Kane, yeah. but you, you have to draw the comparison. Yeah, because they... They're talking about Citizen Kane. Yeah, I don't know. Once again, like this whole, <laughs> this whole podcast is just going to be me being like, yeah, baby, you're right. Like this movie shouldn't have been made. <laughs> but guess what? I still enjoyed it for some fucking reason. You're allowed to enjoy I know. it. It's like I fine. No... I'm, I don't think it's bad. The performances are good. There are some good scenes. It's it's all like perfectly serviceable. Yeah, but makes sense. But it's... It's one of those things where I just, I watched Citizen Kane one day and then the next day I watched Mank and I was like, I'm not, I'm not manking it up here. I'm not, you know, I'm not a big as fan much of as I love TikTok, I just can't get into Mank. Yeah. Um, I agree on the poster thing though, especially like after the movie, I was like, wait, what's the poster like on him, him, like on a bar or something like he never did anything this active in the movie. Um, yeah. And the movie like. The, the description of the movie spells it out like he is an alcoholic and that in the movie is just played out as like, yeah, he, he drinks depressing. and sometimes he drinks too much. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, it's not one of those, you know, Wolf of Wall Street where the drinking and drugs are fun yeah. and wacky and wild. Like, no, he's his leg is broken and he's in a rehab center in the desert trying to write Citizen yeah. Kane. Uh, and it just gets drunk to the point where he's too tired to do it. Like even the the point where he's the most drunk in the whole movie. And it is the scene on the poster, basically, I think. Um, yeah, it is. He doesn't, he's like so drunk that he's not this active. He's not like that excited. He's like about to, he's about to throw up. He's like slurring his words like crazy. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. just a bit, it's not as exciting as it is like, oh God, what's going to happen? He's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that scene I I liked like stylistically. I love that it was a like a weird costume dinner yeah. party that he showed up to. <laughs> it was just it felt like very old Hollywood, like very rich people being like, "Oh, let's dress up like circus performers and have dinner in my mansion." And then Mank shows up, this old slob. I mean, I guess we never said spoilers, but, yeah, but we've been yeah. in spoilers for a while. Um, and like aesthetically, I really liked that scene, but at the same time, it felt a little on the nose because that's the scene where he basically comes up with the idea for Citizen Kane by just telling the story <laughs> of Citizen Kane aloud yeah. to like as an adaptation of Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's fun. Like it all came together and it's about this one guy who's barely in the movie. That was another one of my yeah, issues true. was Citizen Kane is based off of a real man um by like Herman J Mankiewicz's own admission and so he goes to uh this dinner party where that guy is but by the time he gets to that dinner party at the very end I'd like completely forgotten who that guy was or why Herman or yeah why Mank didn't like him or was critical of him so I, it feels like this moment where he's like I'm taking you down with my words but I was like but why who is this guy he was barely in the movie, so I have no reason to like be on your side, Mank. Yeah, they focused more on like the not the characters who aren't Citizen Kane. Honestly, they focused more on like Citizen Kane's one of Citizen Kane's good friends, um, yeah. and then his love interest, who uh, Amanda Seyfried's character is based off of. Yeah, um, and it's so clear that he, I, I feel like Herm put himself in Citizen Kane too, because there's that. One of Sister Kane's friends is like an alcoholic who um, just doesn't like Citizen Kane at all. He doesn't like the guy. He doesn't like Kane. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's Herm. I'm pretty sure that's Mank right there. Yep. Uh, so self insert. He self inserted him into Citizen himself into Citizen Kane, no doubt. Yeah, it's a Gen Z thing. <laughs> self insert fan fiction. That's basically what basically Citizen what Kane is. is. Um. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Spanking my mank. Um, I get one thing I think was pretty funny was like Mank's relationship with his wife because, like, it just is a. I feel like it's a joke throughout the whole movie. His wife's just like, "Why the fuck am I with you?" And then it just like keep like it keeps getting more and more serious. The more she says, she's like, "Seriously, why the fuck am I with yeah. you?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Well, it sort of does 
get to that point at yeah. the end where she's kind of just like fed up with him. I, I got that. I liked their relationship yeah. for the most Same part. Um, but I was confused when he was in the, the desert house. Like, oh, are they still together? Are they divorced? I, it was kind of confusing. Then she shows up and I was like, oh, I guess they are still together. He also called um, her poor I Sarah. Talk about... so I don't... <laughs> that was yeah. the first impression I had. Like the first thing he says about Sarah is like, oh, you mean poor Sarah? I'm like, that's not a great thing to call your wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I th- saw I thought he was saying it like poor Sarah because she's married to me. Oh, uh, maybe. Like, Hopefully. <laughs> he, everyone felt bad for her cuz she was always like she had to be married to me. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, okay. I like that better then. Yeah. So that was my interpretation. I want to talk about what happens right after that. Um because this is the most insane shit and I assume it really happened in real life where Orson Welles shows up. And Mank is like, I would like a writing credit for this movie, please. And Orson Welles is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what so do you mean? mad. <laughs> I was just like, what, is this how it used to work? You would like hire a man to write an entire movie for you and then not credit him as the writer <laughs> of the movie? Yeah, I I didn't understand. That was like one of the parts I was like, what the fuck is this relationship? Like, I don't, is this normal? Like, what is the reason behind that he doesn't want to credit him? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it must be some old Hollywood thing that we just don't know about. He's but Because so it would be one thing if you were like, I'd like credit. And Orson was like, that wasn't the agreement. Yeah. Or like, you signed a contract. But no, he just gets mad at like the idea like, of what it. What the fuck is like, your problem, bro? who wrote the movie wants credit for writing the movies like oh you'll never work in this town fuck you i'm i'm leaving and you're like orson wells what you didn't you didn't write it you weren't there it's to the point where like orson won't even recognize it like when they win an oscar for it um they win yeah. and they win it for screen screenplay <laughs> yeah it was the only yeah. award it won was best screenplay and uh, I guess they didn't like each other very much, but uh, sure, Mank got his Oscar, and he's like, "Yeah, I wrote it," and everyone's like, "Yeah, we know you got the Oscar for it." <laughs> um, it's just uh, that that was just really funny to me, which I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but it's just insane to think that that's ever how that could have worked, especially now where everything in Hollywood is run by unions yeah. and uh everyone has to get the right credit and the right amount of screen space during the credits and all maybe that. it was explained more and i just missed it but i would have liked that explained a bit more because but it was funny just seeing orson was so pissed um yeah <laughs> oh but yeah make makey makey make um at this point, I'm kind of glad we got to do an episode on Mank, even though maybe it doesn't deserve it in the end, because we got to at least talk about Citizen Kane, which I think redeemed itself for yeah. the episode. I think that was the reason why we yeah. did Mank in the end. That was honestly like, it was David Fincher, and we both like David Fincher. I really want to go back and watch Zodiac now. Because, because of the Zodiac news I want to today. see Fincher in Holy his cow, prime. Holy cow, Zodiac news. Yeah, and the, there was Zodiac news. Someone at in san francisco or something they like cracked one of zodiac's oldest codes and i was like damn if only jake jill and harl were with us today to hear this yeah. news it felt, it felt like um, we um didn't learn anything new, new from the new code I, I read it and it was a little disappointing but yeah i mean either way it's uh, zodiac is almost certainly dead i mean he dies in the movie zodiac I just want to catch him so <laughs> allegedly <laughs> We don't know if that guy was actually Zodiac or not. He died before. I thought it was Ted Cruz. Uh, Much to Jake. Yeah, well, that's the other (laughs) thing is it could be Ted Cruz. It probably is. Um, But under that assumption, the Zodiac killer also found like the fountain of youth, but like a shitty fountain of youth (laughs) where it doesn't let you die. But you also look terrible while you're. Yeah, that's sort of the trade off. Yeah, you have to look like sort of a terrible middle aged man that no one Mm -hmm. likes. Uh, but you do get to live for a long time. Well, since we don't have much more to say about Mank, everyone's doing this now since a new Fincher movie came out. I want to like do a quick top three Fincher or some. A quick. Yeah, sure. Let me get his movies up in front of me. Yeah, I think that'd be. Um, this is. A, I just sprung this on at the last second. I was like, oh, might as well. Mank's <laughs> Mank's not the most yeah, entertaining Mank? thing to talk about. I. I gave Mank three stars. It's fine. You. There are better movies to watch. But if you really want to 
watch Mank or you really like Citizen Kane, you can watch Yeah, Mank. and I gave it four stars, but once again, <laughs> it was a very odd day for John. I think on any other day, I might have found it boring, to be honest. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. All right. I got my my Fincher list up, and I always I always look at David Fincher's movies, and I'm like, there's no way he directed all of these because there's no real through yeah, line to any. I of agree. Them. I completely agree. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, this filmography is like they're all super unique. Like none of them are like, yeah, that movie's yeah. just like this one. Like maybe Zodiac and like Seven are the closest, maybe, but besides that they're all yeah. like super different in my opinion which is which i think is a really cool filmography to have yeah he's a very versatile director like he he's really good but he doesn't necessarily have a like a straight style like an obvious mm-hmm. style and the writers really matter like the social network's super different because of Aaron Sorkin in my opinion so it's like yeah it's just all mm. over the place it's cool yeah he picks good scripts i yeah. think Except for his dad's script, I guess. And a lot of them are based off books or comics. So usually just picks a... If you... uh, if if, When you inevitably have a John George V, (laughs) are you going to like write a script and just demand he make that movie? Yes, I will. Okay. It's going to be called... (laughs) I want it to be really bad. I got to find a random... I'll find like whoever the screenwriter of like 2001 A Space Odyssey is and I'll just name it after him. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, don't do any research. Yeah, just, no. like, make some shit I'm just going to make some shit Stanley up. Kubrick will be in the movie. Uh, Kubrick wrote it um, with someone and- named Anthony C. Clark. So it'll be called Clark. Or, like, Clar. With no- Clar. Yeah, yeah. Or- Arthur yeah, C. Yeah, Clark. Because it would be the first part. It'll be called Clar. <laughs> it'll be called Clar. And he'll- <laughs> the whole movie will be him in, like, his attic <laughs> with a typewriter, like, punching it in one letter at a time and the, the whole it's the reason he and he's with like a telescope and he sees 2001 a space odyssey play out in his telescope and, this, and he just <laughs> writes it down i was gonna say he like goes to the zoo in one scene and he sees some monkeys and like one of them's got a stick and he's like that's kind of something and he like goes home and writes a little bit that's kind of something but he's also friends with yeah. whoever was the president in 1968 um for some reason, and it has a lot to do with the president as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, David Fincher ranked. What do you think? Okay, this is great. We we need more lists yeah, on we this do. podcast. That'll get us on BuzzFeed. <laughs> BuzzFeed will love us. Yeah, they'll be like, hey, listen to this podcast for 50 minutes, and then at the last <laughs> few minutes, they do a list, so it's what a BuzzFeed What if we did a BuzzFeed now. article podcast, like, which David Fincher character are you podcast, and then you found out at the end somehow. Oh, but we don't take the quiz. We, like, have to arbitrarily <laughs> yeah, make it as exactly. we go. And it'll be totally be like, what's your favorite food? Pizza? <laughs> hot dog? <laughs> french uh, fry and be like well i don't really like any of those be like you have to pick one it's a buzzfeed (laughs) quiz it's not that in depth be like uh french fry i guess very mark zuckerberg stanley kubrick (laughs) shit it's very mark zuckerberg but like french fries oh yeah yeah okay uh are we gonna go in reverse yeah reverse start with reverse okay reverse reverse um i guess i'll go first i'm looking at this list I guess number three for me would be uh, Gone Girl. I did really like Gone Girl. It's been a long time that, I, that I've seen it. A long time since I've seen it, I should say. I think our top um, three is going to be the same, BB. Maybe. Let's see. It probably will be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Gone Girl. And it, before Ben Affleck was Batman, he was Gone Girl. And I think that's beautiful. Um, or at least it's going to be it's going to be the same three movies, I think. But it's not the same order because my number three is Social okay. Network. Oh, OK. Um, which I think is a really good movie. And uh, I think I rewatched it and talked about it on this podcast before when I rewatched it. But um, I really liked it a lot more the second time I watched it, because the first time I watched it, I was in middle school and didn't understand movies. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, well, my number two is Social Network. Um, I I feel like I gave it a lot of shit just because we make that best of the decade joke about it. <laughs> um, but, like, it's a good yeah. movie, and Jesse Eisenberg is really good. I keep saying there has to be a sequel. I maybe give it a few more years, but, like... There's got to be. David Fincher should absolutely come back for Social Network 2, where it's about Mark Zuckerberg ruining America. Yeah. 
Um, and just for that alone, I feel like it bumps social network up a few points yeah. for me. I, as someone who does not like sequels, this is like the one movie where I'm saying like absolutely should be a sequel. There's more than enough content to make a sequel. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's actually one thing I wanted to mention real quick is that uh, Social Network, there was the, all the hubbub about Trent Reznor did the soundtrack for Social Network. And everyone's like, wow, soundtrack, wow. And then Mank came out and the opening credits came up and Trent Reznor also did music for Mank. And I didn't think anything of it. The whole movie, I like <laughs> didn't even notice the music. And I was like, damn, Trent, Trent I'm Trent failed you on this one. He, he wasn't feeling the yeah. Mank. Social network music's really good. I agree. That that's iconic music. But this one, mm-hmm. this was just normal music. I felt like, yeah, it's probably harder to score for also, Mank. Yeah, just because I felt like I remember. It's I like remember being like, oh, the score is kind of reminiscent of Citizen Kane, and I feel like that's an issue right there because you'll just think of Citizen Kane's score before you think of Mank. Yeah, and then I'd be like, oh, but that score's yeah. better. Uh, my number two is Gone Girl, the movie BB had at number three. I this is. Um, maybe one of the, maybe one of the first, I saw social network before gone girl, but I gone girl was like the first one I watched when I was older. Um, and then continued to watch his movies after and gone girl. I really, really enjoyed. Um, and it was what I remember it being one of my favorite movies when it came out, I saw it in theaters with my mom and I was like, damn, this movie's intense. Um, and I think it's really well written. It's based off of a fantastic novel as well. So that helps. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Gone Girl in college with some friends and I had one friend who is not into those kinds of movies. Um, and Gone Girl is way longer than you think it's going to be because in college we didn't look up the runtime. We we're just like, oh, we heard this is good. Let's go see it. Um, and then we saw it and the movie kept going and I was, I was into it, but I had a friend who was like, that movie was so long. Why did we sit there for the whole thing? And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Uh, it has a lot in common. Yeah. It's Fincher because my number one, of course, is Zodiac. I don't know if this is controversial or not. I don't know if a ton of people talk about Zodiac, but, uh, I saw Zodiac for the first time, uh, me and my friend, Kristen were going back to college after break we were driving back up to upstate New York and we got back to my apartment in like the middle of the night not the middle of the night but like right as the sun had gone down and we were like oh whatever we don't have class tomorrow maybe we watch a movie and my friend Kristen's like have you seen Zodiac and I was like no and Kristen loves Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) so that's like a big thing for her she also likes Mark Ruffalo uh, and she's like, you got to watch Zodiac. And I was like, okay. And we sat there and watched Zodiac for two hours and 45 minutes. And I just was like, so enraptured. Yeah. And we were just having like all these genuine moments. Cause I don't think she had seen it for a while. Um, oh man, I was so into Zodiac. And that night I like locked all my doors and like double checked. Cause I was like, Zodiac's not fucking getting me. It's not <laughs> happening tonight. Um, and that's a testament to that movie that a movie about a serial, a serial killer who lived in California in the 1970s made me a man in the two (laughs) thousands living in New York, feel genuine fear about locking my doors. Um, yeah, Zodiac is so good. Jake Gyllenhaal's fantastic. The whole cast is fantastic and the slow burn works incredibly well. Uh, that movie is as long as it needs to be. Oh yeah, I agree. Zodiac's also my number one. Um, yeah, I don't think I can remember a movie I got like this just lost in, to be honest. Like, I, that movie zoomed by for me. Like, I was living in that world, um, for the whole runtime. Yeah. Like, that's just one of the best, yeah, one of the best mystery type movies ever, too. It's, just, it's so good. Um, it's definitely my favorite picture. It's because it's like a, it's about obsession yeah. and David Fincher directs it in a way where you become as yeah. obsessed as Jake Gyllenhaal while it's going. And you're like, Oh, like we gotta figure that out. And, uh, and there's so many scenes that are like, I can't overstate how good the direction in this movie, because there's so many scenes where you feel real fear. Um, not like it chapter two fear, like real genuine fear. Um, the scene in the park, which is filmed in broad daylight, hard to make things scary in broad daylight but holy shit that scene is terrifying um the scene with the basement that line where he's like most people in california don't have basements and you're like you don't go in the basement jake gyllenhaal <laughs> um but he goes down and he freaks out uh yeah it's 
the Fincher at the top of his game with Zodiac, as far as Same. I'm concerned. I, I do really want to watch it again now after having seen Mank, just because I want to remember. I want to remember what Fincher is capable Mark's of. Mark's asking for a bottom three as well, which I can give real quick. I won't go okay. in depth on the, my bottom three as much, but and uh, all these three movies I still think are good. Um, My yeah. bottom three are The Game, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Seven. The game is the worst one, and then seven is sixth. So, okay, I can't speak to this as much because the only other Finchers I've seen are Fight Club and Mank and Benjamin. I haven't Button. seen Benjamin Button, by the way, um, so which, mine's not, mine can't be on there. Okay, Benjamin Button's fine. I think it's it's a, g- a good, interesting movie. Um, it's not top three. Uh, Fight Club, I also think is fine, but it's you know it's been sort of appropriated by bro bro culture at this point where i'm like i don't really want to touch yeah. that uh i remember I, there was a kid in high school and he saw fight club for the first time and he came back to school the next day and wouldn't shut the fuck up about fight club and i was like dude i get it he they were the same person <laughs> offices are bad what's funny is that kid was all about like yeah you aren't your fucking khakis and like the fucking man is keeping you down and then he went to college and got his master's in business and works as like a sales executive now so (laughs) i guess fight club didn't work on you it's because people that's why okay fight club is a good movie but i feel like i feel like people got the wrong took away the wrong thing from fight club very often absolutely and that's what pisses me off the most about it and that's why i don't want to put it in the top three or give it a higher rating on letterboxes so i'm like no fuck all you guys this movie's not good for the reasons you like it so i'm not gonna say it's good yeah the movie isn't about how cool it is to fight other (laughs) men like that's not (laughs) it's and it's not about like rebelling against the system by fighting yeah. other men it's about toxic masculinity yeah. <laughs> like and i think that that's um, me and my film i think i might have said this on the podcast but me and my film teacher got into an argument about fight club because she thought i think she thought the meaning was more in line with what most people think the meaning are which is that it's good to fight people and be be men <laughs> and i was like no i don't think that's the meaning at all and I wrote a whole essay about it because she didn't agree with me. So I was like, no, I, that's not wow. the meaning. Got him. But I understand why most people think it's the meaning because it's because they don't want to see the other meaning. Yeah. Um, well, even if you do take away like some of the more true meaning of the movie, which is sort of anti-capitalist, um, it's just all like if you are a business major in college, you are legally not allowed to like Fight Club. I'm sorry, Fight everyone. Is... It's like if you fucking missed the the boat, you missed the plane, and it took off yep. without you because you're a business major. Who I'm going to tell Club. my brother Anthony that who is a business major, ask him if he likes Fight Club, and then see, see yeah. what he says. We have to know the the results of that because it'll be very funny. He's like, dude, fuck yeah, Fight Club. <laughs> Tyler Durden is badass. Um, Mark said World War Z in the chat, and I don't know why he did. I don't think David Fincher is involved did, with World did, War Z at all. I, I'm looking at his... Let me look up World looking War up Z. All his, I looked at his actor credits, his producer credits. Nothing to do with World War Z. So, um, uh, it was, World War Z was directed by Mark Foster. Yeah, I don't think David... Brad Pitt was in World War Z, so maybe that's the connection. Brad Pitt's in a lot of (laughs) David Fincher movies, I guess, maybe. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, David Fincher didn't do World War Z. Um, If anyone wants to know where Mank is on my list, it's like basically in the middle. Oh, he's directing World War Z 2, apparently. I guess he agreed to that. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Whatever. Sure. (laughs) Uh, go get him yeah well i feel sad to end it on that note because i i'm not looking forward to that movie that much but um yeah well i there's we'll we'll find out when we finally get to world war z2 which will i assume just sort of be a retelling of 2020 (laughs) um but until next time go follow mank on tiktok he's he's got some great videos up there uh and as well Stay big, you beautiful people.